This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life of the Spirit and the Life of Today by Evelyn Underhill, author of Mysticism, The Essentials of Mysticism, etc. New York, E. P. Dutton and Company, 681 Fifth Avenue, Copyright 1922, by E. P. Dutton and Company. All rights reserved. In Memoriam, E. R. B. Preface This book owes its origin to the fact that in the autumn of 1921, the authorities of Manchester College, Oxford, invited me to deliver the inaugural course of a lectureship in religion newly established under the will of the late Professor Upton. No conditions being attached to this appointment, it seemed a suitable opportunity to discuss, so far as possible in the language of the moment, some of the implicits which I believe to underlie human effort and achievement in the domain of the spiritual life. The material gathered for this purpose has now been added to, revised, and to some extent rewritten, in order to make it more appropriate to the purposes of the reader rather than the hearer. As the object of the book is strictly practical, a special attempt has been made to bring the classic experiences of the spiritual life into line with the conclusions of modern psychology, and, in particular, to suggest some of the directions in which recent psychological research may cast light on the standard problems of the religious consciousness. The subject is still in its infancy, but it is destined, I am sure, in the near future to exercise a transforming influence on the study of spiritual experience, and may even prove to be the starting point of a new apologetic. Those who are inclined either to fear or to resent the application to this experience of those laws which, as we are now gradually discovering, govern the rest of our psychic life, or who are offended by the resulting demonstrations of continuity between our most homely and the most lofty reactions to the universe, might take to themselves the plain words of Thomas Akempis, Thou art a man and not God, thou art flesh and no angel. Since my subject is not the splendor of historic sanctity, but the normal life of the spirit, as it may be and is lived in the here and now, I have done my best to describe the character and meaning of this life in the ordinary terms of present-day thought, and with little or no use of the technical language of mysticism. For the same reason, no attention has been given to those abnormal experiences and states of consciousness, which, too often regarded as specially mystical, are now recognized by all competent students as representing the unfortunate accidents, rather than the abiding substance of spirituality. Readers of these pages will find nothing about trances, ecstasies, and other rare psychic phenomena, which sometimes indicate holiness, and sometimes only disease. For information on these matters, they must go to larger and more technical works. My aim here is the more general one, of indicating first the characteristic experiences, discoverable within all great religions, which justify or are fundamental to the spiritual life, and the way in which these experiences may be accommodated to the world view of the modern man, and next, the nature of that spiritual life as it appears in human history. The succeeding sections of the book treat in some detail the light cast on spiritual problems by mental analysis, 
a process which need not necessarily be conducted from the standpoint of a degraded materialism, and by recent work on the psychology of autistic thought and of suggestion. These investigations have a practical interest for every man who desires to be the captain of his soul. The relation in which institutional religion does or should stand to the spiritual life is also in part a matter for psychology, which is here called upon to deal with the religious aspect of the social instincts and the problems surrounding symbols and cults. These chapters lead up to a discussion of the personal aspect of the spiritual life, its curve of growth, characters and activities, and a further section suggests some ways in which educationists might promote the upspringing of this life in the young. Finally, the last chapter attempts to place the fact of the life of the spirit in its relation to the social order, and to indicate some of the results which might follow upon its healthy corporate development. It is superfluous to point out that each of these subjects needs at least a volume to itself, and to some of them I shall hope to return in the future. Their treatment in the present work is necessarily fragmentary and suggestive, and is intended rather to stimulate thought than to offer solutions. Part of Chapter 4 has already appeared in the Fortnightly Review under the title Suggestion and Religious Experience. Chapter 8 incorporates several passages from an article on Sources of Power in Human Life, originally contributed to the Hubert Journal. These are reprinted by kind permission of the editors concerned. My numerous debts to previous writers are obvious, and for the most part are acknowledged in the footnotes. The greatest, to the works of Baron von Hugli, will be clear to all students of his writings. Thanks are also due to my old friend William Scott Palmer, who read part of the manuscript and gave me much generous and valuable advice. It is a pleasure to express in this place my warm gratitude first to the principal and authorities of Manchester College, who gave me the opportunity of delivering these chapters in their original form and whose unfailing sympathy and kindness so greatly helped me, and secondly to the members of the Oxford Faculty of Theology, to whom I owe the great honor of being the first woman lecturer in religion to appear in the university list. E. U. Epiphany, 1922 Contents Preface Chapter 1 The Characters of Spiritual Life Chapter 2 history, and the life of the spirit. Chapter 3. Psychology and the life of the spirit. 1. The analysis of mind. Chapter 4. Psychology and the life of the spirit. 2. Contemplation and suggestion. Chapter 5. Institutional religion and the life of the spirit. Chapter 6. The life of the spirit in the individual. Chapter 7. The Life of the Spirit and Education. Chapter 8. The Life of the Spirit and the Social Order. End of Foreword.